0: Human beings of the world, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse through our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in Mutual downtown Seattle with John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country.
1: Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on sepod.net. But, if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways.
2: You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or, you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com.
1: United Armies with the Spoilerverse. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley and today on the show well it's a whole new spotlight for one of one of our best shows on the network Bridging the Geekdom it's gonna be a lot of fun
2: and we're joined today with Robert and Colton who are the hosts of Bridging the Geekdom how you guys doing today
0: what is going on everybody it's good to be here I got
1: I got to upstage not Henry. Possible. I'm sorry. You can, you try. You can try. you can try, but it but... won't be done. Offlin <laughs> Offlin du- replicated, hardly ever duplicated. That's me. <laughs> Although
0: you do kind of sound like Richard Nixon whenever you you do that, you know.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't know cuz I'm not old That's enough to one. even remember the sound of Richard Nixon, but right on. I, you're older well, than I don't me. know what to say, man, but you know <laughs> the only thing I know of Richard Nixon is just I move am on. Not a crook. Just move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does someone say let's move on? Yeah, I was like let's move on.
3: <laughs>
1: <Well>. <laughs> so
2: Colton, how are you doing today? You're not talking much yet.
3: <laughs> I, I wait till and then I say howdy. Bob gets all excited and I'm the guy that just goes, howdy. Nice.
0: <laughs> it's true he he he's kind of he's kind of the the John of you know of my Kendrick in our show. So it kind of works out. There you out. go. There you go. So we're the
2: cool ones, Cole. Yeah. We're the cool ones. Cool cats. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> so bridging the geekdoms. What is it? It's a podcast. Cool. Thanks. Bye.
1: Tell us. T- t- okay. Wait. <laughs> Tell us about how bridging the geekdom came about. What was your passion to, to get it? And how long you guys been going on now? I know you guys took a break but we're not going to talk about the break because that's irrelevant. You're back, you're in full force, and everything's going on. Tell us that.
3: Well, Colton, you want to go with it or you want me to say it or talk about it? Uh, 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 we can talk about our lovership later. You can go ahead.
0: <laughs> All right. So I want to say it was probably about three-ish years ago, uh, two and a half years ago or so, Colton and I started working together uh, at the jobs that we're still at. And I just noticed every time he would, I would see him, he would be – talking about something nerdy, Star Wars mostly. And it got us to become friends in a way. Uh, We would just talk a bit and it would just be about that kind of stuff. (laughs) Well, one day, and and I've been always wanting to do a podcast. I've been wanting to podcast for quite some time. And I was jumping into different avenues, trying different things here and there. But it really came that nobody was doing it with me. Nobody wanted to do it with me uh, on a consistent basis. In enter Colton. <laughs> so I went up to him the one time and I was like, Hey man, would you like the podcast? You should come over to my place sometime. It was a horrible pickup line,
3: but <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, it hook line and sinker.
0: You <laughs> had to a podcast. He got to my place. And we just sat down, and uh, we just started recording. I had a little snowball mic. I set it in between. T-
2: had a glass of wine, <laughs> some cheese. Domino's pizza. We were, we
0: were really close because yeah, yeah. You know, that snowball mic isn't very big, so we had to sit, like, shoulder to shoulder <laughs> <laughs> with it right in front of us uh, in my dining room, and we did our first podcast. And nice. from there, just, it kind of built. We, we started off as a different name.
1: What was your and, first
0: name? Uh, the Remote Control Podcast.
1: The remote the problem control. is That's not a bad name.
0: No, no, it's not. Until we found out that there was some other network or something that had a show that called the that was called Remote Control. That's all it was, was Remote Control. But they emailed me and they're like, hey, man, uh, it's not really cool. You guys are similar to us. And we have our followers who are coming to us and like, hey, why'd you guys change? And we didn't. So Colton, Colton and I kind of sat <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> back. and, Yeah, yeah. So Colt and I kind of sat back and discussed like, should we change the name or should we push back? And I wasn't really sure what kind of uh, network he had. You know, <laughs> was it a big network? Was it somebody that he could get lawyers and come back at me with? Was it something I wanted to deal with? And we kind of decided, you know what? No, let's let's look at a rebrand. We were doing it for a year at that time, so we we're looking for for a rebrand and. We were sitting there brainstorming, and Colton was trying to create and start his own production company for a while, which he was going to call, I believe it was Under the Bridge Productions?
3: Yeah, Under the Bridge Media.
0: Under the Bridge Media. And we were going to kind of create our own network within that. And what ended up happening was we... We're like, well, why don't we kind of do a name that's like off of that with geekdoms and everything else in that in that regard? So, I was thinking like, what's a good thing about you know pop culture, nerds, geeks, you know that kind of thing? And we got to bridging the geekdoms, <laughs> and it just it, it it clicked with me like it just stuck with my in my head. And we we were talking about different ideas and other names. I was even talking to Deej Penhalu yeah. at the time from Nerdtocalypse. and he was very. Uh, Adamant about me doing a different name He was like, I don't know if that name is really good Here's another name you should go with And I just, like, even though that name he gave me sounded great I I, kind of wanted to go with with Bridging the Geekdoms And Colton and I agreed And we went on from there And we've been doing it now uh, Two years, more than two years, three years When was that? 2017, when we
3: started It's been a while
0: yeah, and that's pretty much how it went. And yeah, we, there was a hiatus back uh, in 2019. May of 2019 was our last episode for almost a year. We came back r- right, right wow. before our year hi- our, our year hiatus anniversary, and here we are now. Yeah,
1: found us, found the spoiler verse, became part of the team. Had shooting a Sith going strong, and now you're bringing back in the Geekdom. How excited are you guys for this new venture?
0: Oh, I love it! I'm, I'm so happy that we're back. And yeah, I mean, I didn't really mention anything about the spoiler verse, but that kind of that kind of just happened because on our hi- during our hiatus, I was sort of looking for an outlet. Uh, I, I wanted to be creative still in some form or fashion, and I was talking to John for about a year or so at that time, and uh, he basically was like, hey, why don't you come over and help us out with, with the website in a, in a way? And I kind of went over, started yeah. writing some articles, and then I was like, why don't I pull my podcast over here, Shooting a Sith? And we pulled Shooting a Sith over, which we did a couple episodes prior to our hiatus with, uh, but we pulled it over, and I just loved getting involved again in podcasting, and Colton's life started to settle down, so we're like, hey, let's bring Bridging the Geekdoms back, and here we are.
3: Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Ironically, we still work with each other. Like, we went from <laughs> being, you know, two separate departments. Then you were my boss there for a while. Then we took the hiatus when you moved from a, to a different job, and then I moved to a different job where we work kind of closer together now. Let's not fool and ourselves, and back.
0: Clinton, I'm always your boss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like oh my god, get the whip out! <laughs> So what episode are we going to, we're, we're going to listen to a snippet of an episode, maybe 30, yeah, 45 minutes, but which one are we going to hear?
0: Well, no, I, I want to kind of set the stage here because Bridging the Geekdoms was a little bit different prior to us coming back. Uh, Bridging the Geekdoms was always just Colton and I sitting down talking about what was going on currently in pop culture and the entertainment world. We would do lists. We'd do our top five favorite movies of the, the summer. We would do different things like that, review films and, and commentaries. Bringing it back, we wanted to kind of utilize the name a bit more than just it being a cool name. And thanks to John's help, you know, we were like brainstorming, like, what can we do with this name? And we're, we were discussing bridging the geekdoms. Like, how can we, how can we talk to people about bridging geekdoms in a way? And that's kind of what we're doing now. We're now getting out there talking to people who have multiple loves of things that are, that you can kind of see or say are nerdy or geeky in a way, and are bringing them together in some form or fashion. And that's what we started doing. We've now ventured out and started interviewing cosplayers and actors and and other people in, in, in other podcasts because, in our in in my eyes, that's kind of what they're doing. You know, if you're a podcaster, podcasting is a pretty nerdy, geeky thing, but. Then what are you talking about? Are you talking about pop culture? Are you talking about sports? Whatever it is, you know, you can also look at that as being kind of a geeky type of thing, and they're bridging the two together, and that's kind of the idea behind it. Now we're still going to have our shows where Colton and I sit down and just rag on some movies that we hate, or I make fun of him for stupid horror films or something like that. But <laughs> but we're also going to be doing some more and different things, which is kind of fun, and that's what we're going to show you uh, with this today. With this clip today, we spoke with uh, actor Will Rollins. He is a British actor. Uh, He was in Dumbo, as well as a couple other smaller films. And we talked to him not just about his career, but there's a big movement currently going on in the entertainment industry or pop culture. If you're not aware, it's called Release the Snyder Cut. And he has been a big promoter of releasing the Snyder cut, so much so that he has been setting up GoFundMe accounts to raise money not for the movie itself, but for suicide prevention, which is very dear and near or near dear to Zack Snyder's heart because of what happened to him while he was filming Justice League. So that's kind of what this episode is, is we're talking to Will Rollins about himself Obviously, who he is as an actor and everything like that, but as well as his involvement within the movement for the Snyder Cut.
3: Also, learned something crazy in this interview. It's not me. crazy. <laughs> Henry Cavill's British, and I did not know that, and it caught me so off guard in the beginning of this. It
0: completely blew his mind. It was kind of hilarious.
3: <laughs> that's that's hilarious. You didn't know Henry Cavill was British? I I genuinely didn't.
1: There was a whole there there was like a whole snafu back on the. Back when he was originally hired to play Superman, because people wanted him to be, they want Superman to be American, and so there yeah. was all these people that up an uproar because he's British, and the, one of the arguments they had is what? Like, well, they only do British people for James Bond, which is not true because George Lazenby was Australian,
0: <laughs> and Sean Connery wasn't British. <laughs> no, but Scottish. he's
1: yeah, but he was. That's part of the British Empire, at least, but.
0: No, no, that doesn't, doesn't count. It's different. <laughs> it doesn't count. It doesn't
1: count, I tell you. But it's just kind of funny. Henry Cavill was a wonderful Superman.
0: Oh, fantastic Superman. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's no Christopher Reeve.
0: <laughs> Not here, Kenrick. Not here.
3: Did it turn from a spotlight to a fight?
1: <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I'll
3: Finish rough. him. It's good. It's <laughs> good
1: all right well i think we're ready to 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 roll into this we are why don't we listen to bridging the geekdom in their own words
0: you know, I am pretty terrible at starting these conversation things and, and everything like that. So we'll just kind of get into it here and just, you know, just tell us a little bit about who you are. I know that you're an actor, but I think I saw on your IMDb that you're a director as well.
4: Yeah, kind of. I'm originally from London, in England. I've been in a few, few films, um, TV shows, and I have a production company. That's that. It's recently started up, and a few short films that I've directed on it. But no, mostly <clears throat> job-wise is yeah acting. It just because because of um, one of the short films has been listed online, you automatically get the director credit if you were the director for it. So I'm not a director. I'm not trained in that. Okay. But no acting, yes. So so I
3: I I'll, I'll, I'll ask a question here. What what actually got you into acting and in the entertainment world?
4: Um, just as a as a child, i always loved films and TV. I was I was always fascinated with it. I just always I it was like an a uh, like an amazing thing to see things on TV and then you would sometimes then see the people in the in the films on talk shows. And you saw that they were real people, and it was just the, just like the magic of it, I suppose. <laughs> the um, you create something that then, you know, I can't. It's really difficult to explain. But as I was growing up, I just noticed that how how cool it would be to be part of something where you make something and then play different roles and and just be on TV and 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 make things seem real, you know. Um, that was my kind of young perspective of it, and and obviously now for me it's something that that you just you get to create something and, and do do a job where hopefully everybody gets on it's like making something for others to see it's it's just just feels like a good thing to do oh, trust
3: me I relate i i actually i've always liked the entertainment world since I was little too I was always the funny kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was told I should have been a comedian from when I was little. Yeah. But I completely relate. It's something that you can't really, like, describe. It's just something no. you've l-
4: liked. I mean, I've always, whenever I bought a DVD, I would also always straight away watch, and I still do, the making of. <laughs> I'll watch <laughs> the extras because it just fascinates me. And then you watch the finishing product second. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's impressive, I think, when you watch, you know, with things that you're not involved in and you watch, how they made that and then see the final product. A lot of people, they watch a film or a TV show and they just don't take any other thought about the fact that it was made. It just is. It's, it's difficult to explain. Yeah, I've always enjoyed watching the
3: behind-the-scenes things too. But you said that you primarily are an actor. What drives you towards
4: certain roles that you take? If I don't think I could do it or I don't think... It would suit me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go for it. I like. I like to do a challenge. I like to be challenged sometimes. I seem to get the more shadier character for some reason. I don't know. I just. I don't. It doesn't seem like it's for me. I won't even give it a second thought. But I wouldn't if I thought it was a role that was something that's interesting enough and it seemed suitable for something that I could do. And if it seemed interesting and fun or different, then, then yeah, I would. But uh, it's, no, I don't, I'm not not, not too fussy. Obviously, there's, there's a line. I wouldn't do certain things if I thought it was, you know, inappropriate or, um, I don't know. It, it depends. It's not happened. I've not had a particular one yet where I've gone, no way, no way, no way. But if I don't think I could do it, then I wouldn't
3: that's interesting so i'm just going to do the stereotypical american question because i can't do accents at all (laughs) how hard is it to do an accent very (laughs) Very. i'm so bad at accents and i'm blown away by
4: anybody that could do accents (laughs) it's hard because it's um i think it's because you talk without thinking don't you normally so you automatically muscle memory of your tongue and your mouth automatically goes to what you would normally do. So in order to do an accent, not only have you got to think about it, you've also got to think of the words you're saying if you're reading a script. So you've got two things going on in your brain and that's what I think is very hard. And sometimes your brain, particularly us in England, uh, America, to us, you have, not um, well, to everybody, I suppose, but there is the automatic stereotypical, California type accent because that's Hollywood. Hmm. So that's what people see mostly you in know, films. Um, but then you've got the New York accent. So to us, they're very different. And I find that I will, because I'm thinking American, if I say a sentence in such a way, I could very easily go from California to New York back to English in the middle. I find it very hard, if I'm honest with you. But I do, if I am going to speak with an accent, I try and do it all the time, like leading up to it, to make it less, less, of, less of something to think of. You know, I, I'm so bad; like I can't even do Southern accents here, and
3: that's like, the <laughs> easiest thing for an American to do. <laughs> <laughs> and even Bob can agree with that. We did the promo years ago, and it was so bad. Yeah,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone, when you listen to your own voice, you think it's bad anyway. So. Yeah you you know, you're not the best person to critic criticize yourself. I don't think, but um, gotta feel comfortable doing it. Otherwise, you won't pull it off. You? Yeah, I um, I, I got, sh- I've been shouted at a few times about my accent on set. I I would, I would accidentally drop back to English, <laughs> mid sentence, and it cut. Well, you're not English. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> and that uh, is it is hard. It is hard. And I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes, you know. Yeah. I, I'm, and I'm I'm quite impressed with Henry Cavill, to be fair, because he is what I would consider in England quite posh. He's very, very, very well spoken. And he he does a lot of people what I know, obviously when they if they when the man still came out, they were <clears throat> surprised that he was English. They thought he was American. So to, from our point of view, he's very good. But from your point of view, as Americans, mm-hmm. is it do you think his accent? Can you do you can you tell?
0: I, I I mean, I'm gonna jump in here. I mean, I saw Man of Steel when it first came out, and prior I followed the development, so I knew that he was yeah. he, you know he was British, but when it came out, I was absolutely astonished at how well mm. he portrayed an American and, and not just American. I mean, he, he just seemed like the boy next door, somebody from the the Midwest that just kind of, he was America. So uh, mm. he did a phenomenal job with, mm. with his
3: acting. Wait, and his. You guys are telling me he's not American. <laughs> <laughs> That's a genuine question. Really? Really? Yeah. I thought he was American. <laughs> yeah
4: wow well he speaks more posh than me oh god it makes me that sound common well, I really something. that's why everyone wants him to be James Bond
0: yeah, oh, oh. yeah I think he'd be an excellent James Bond oh, I, I do
4: yeah I,
3: I, wow my whole world's upside down right
0: <laughs> now <laughs> well, I mean, you know, let's you know, moving this forward a little bit. I do want to get one more question uh, about you out of the way. Mm-hmm. When it comes to what you've done acting, what would you say has been your most rewarding or memorable moment acting?
4: I think the most memorable is is when I was on the set for Dumbo. Mm-hmm. I think that was the um purely because of the the size of the stage um it was humongous and and you know, working with Danny DeVito and Colin Farrell, it's it was it was it was quite something because I, I remember I remember whilst being there trying to imagine how, how they were gonna make it look. So that one always springs to mind first. But then equally every time I every time I do go on a big set like that, I always think, Wow, oh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be the last time. Yeah. So I always try and enjoy everyone but no, I, I like, I, I don't know. Do you remember? Yeah, I think this Dumbo set is the most memorable because it's, it's so, it's really was impressive. I don't know if you've seen Dumbo, but there's, the, the circus at the end of the film where they pitch up, you know, there's, there's a steam train and mm-hmm. there's this and that. That wasn't, that wasn't CGI. It was real. There oh, was wow. a real steam train come in and there was cool. a real outdoor circus. It was, it was, you could walk around, there were different things and, it was humongous. And I remember thinking, holy shit, <laughs> they're not messing around here. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, you felt like you'd stepped in the circus. That's what I'm saying is, you know, the only blue screen was the outside of the stage. Mm-hmm. And that was purely so that they could create outside look. Yeah, but Everything there was real, apart from the elephant, you know. And, that's- <laughs> and um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And it was just humongous. And I just... I don't know, it felt like you were there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I liked about it.
0: That's impressive. I, I got to ask this, was was Tim Burton on hand? Did you actually get to to work with him specifically?
4: Yeah. yeah. He's the one that told me I'm not English.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, he, fantastic. He's,
4: really, he's a really nice guy, to be fair. Yeah, he, yeah. um Not what I expected. Very casual, casually dressed. He looked very comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and, with, with his job, and obviously,
0: I mean, he's been doing he it for did, a number he, of he years. He
4: didn't talk down to you, you know. He didn't. Sometimes people, uh, big directors, will pass on a message in front of you, and then someone else would tell you. It's, but he he was very, he's just very chilled out. He's. I remember. I remember thinking to myself, I was watching him in between takes because obviously there's a lot standing around for us, and he he had this like stick in his hand the whole time, and it had like a. a leather hook on the end and he's when he was thinking he spins it spins it and you can see that's i remember watching him thinking oh, no, that's tim burton because I was, I was obviously like happy to be being directed by tim burton you know and when he stopped and they had like well, actually how should we do this bit and you know they you know they think a lot and wait wait for your instruction and i remember thinking that's his thinking stick hmm. and i thought that was pretty cool you know because he he was he was very thoughtful in everything that we did. Yeah, you know he didn't just go. I had to give it a go because some some people go just do what you think, do what you feel. And I personally would rather they tell me what they want, and then you know it's what they want. But um, he was really cool. He was not what you, not what I expected him to be. Yeah. Well, he was just a normal person.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen him in interviews. He's, yeah. he is an interesting guy. Absolutely. Ooh. Very interesting. And you take a look at his work that he's done since the eighties and, and everything like yeah. that. He's just, his style is just so different than, than any other director that's out there. And that's, yeah. I think, what is the draw to him. And kind of getting on topic a little bit here, but I, to this day, I still want to, I wish we could have seen his Superman movie. I just think that that would have been cool to see. <laughs> can you imagine? Oh I man.
4: Mean, I, that's part of the reason why I remember Dumbo so much is because I was thinking, how are they going to make this look? Because it was a Tim Burton film. Yeah. You know, it was really difficult to try and imagine. And I thought having only ever seen the Disney cartoon, you know? Yeah. But no, can you imagine? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I should imagine it'd be along similar lines of his Batman film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw, there was an awesome documentary that came out a couple of years back called uh, the death of Superman lives, it uh, lives what yeah, happened. I think, uh, I think that's what it was called. It was uh, a fantastic documentary long, but fantastic. It mm. really dived into what it could have been. And to this day, I still wish that we had a chance. I mean, Nick Cage is Superman. That would have just been <laughs> really bizarre, <laughs> but would have been cool to see.
4: I know, especially what accent Nick Cage would have used.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's
4: got quite a draw, isn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah he's so, um, Nick Cage can do anything in my book. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's the best actor out there because he does do some pretty bad films from time to time. But, he's, yeah, but he, he
4: he makes up for it.
0: He does. Yeah, his good films are are really good. Now, I kind of want to now segue into this whole Snyder cut stuff because mm-hmm. uh, I I became aware of you through Twitter. You know, just seeing everything going on on Twitter and the movement has been trending like crazy the last few months and it's been building over, what, two or three years now. So what is your involvement? How did you get to become such a loud voice within the Snyder Cut movement?
4: I didn't intend to be. (laughs) I I was just, like anybody else, disappointed when Justice League came out. Well, prior to that, extremely excited waiting for it to come out. Yeah. Um, I think I think I went on Twitter just after BBS. I can't remember, it was roughly then. I didn't really didn't really use you know, at the time I was like, oh, I got Facebook, do I need Twitter? And mm. and then I didn't know what it was and I realized what it was, and then went on there and I realized it was a completely different type of platform. But no, I I, I think I started off as just somebody that interacted with Tweets relating to, Bat yeah, Batman vs Man, and and then I started watching YouTube videos and and hearing different things, you know, the gossip, and I quite liked the speculation of building up to Justice League and how how the story is going to continue. Just as a normal fan of the films, and then obviously you start to notice that you comment on the same people, they comment on yours, and you start to build up. It starts to build up like a, you know, who the people who follow you what they tweet about and it just became kind of like that and then the whole all well, the rumours started coming with Justice League and then the, the Snyder's tragedy and as a father I thought you know it hit me hard as well thinking Jesus Christ there's us worrying about a film and they've just lost a child and, and so then I kind of went quiet a bit because I thought I'm just going to log out you know switch off a bit to wait for the film to come out I'm sure it'll be fine and then After seeing the film, I was so confused and disappointed all in one that I started to pay more attention online to what other people were thinking because I wasn't sure if my... I was so confused because I thought maybe I was too excited and I've let myself down here. So I had to go and see it again (laughs) just to check. Mm -hmm. And then I realised it wasn't me. It was the film that was the problem. And then I kept an eye on the conversation and then, you know, as time went on, I think I became a I was, you know, daily just commenting or retweeting certain things that come up. And then I ended up in a group chat a group chat where you know people were talking about um, things. And then the SnyderCon thing came and I met a few people there. And then immediately after we were all talking at the time about my god now we've had the Snyder Com, you know the old Dak Snyder's weekend at the Arts Centre in Pasadena I flew over for that I just thought we need to do more now we need to up the ante a little bit and and try and be a bit more a bit more mainstream.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, wait, and, uh, I, can I take it back a little bit? You were part yeah, of the, sorry. yeah, no, no problem. You, you were part of that, that group of, what was it? Like 10, 15 people that, that went outside Warner brothers. But were you part of yeah. that? Really?
4: Oh no, not now. Which, no. which time? Not uh, the original. Not one, the original. No. Okay. Okay. No, 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 That I don't know who they are. Yeah, I neither really do I. Think they're <laughs> still, I might, I might do. I just don't recognize them in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um No, I, I I I went outside Warner Brothers in March last year with a group of people and held some signs up. But ours is the picture out by the water tower. Not sure if you've seen that one.
0: Uh, I've seen so many pictures (laughs) over the, over the last about year, year and a half, I've just been doing a lot of research on the Snyder cut, trying to just get Mm -hmm. as much information as I can, because it is such an interesting story of what we could have had. And Mm. Even I, myself, recently was surprised to find out about a lot of things that I didn't know prior. And it's just, unfortunately, I don't have the contacts within the industry to dive as deep as some of these other outlets can. And recently, there was an article that came out about Jeff John's involvement, as well as John Berg and mm-hmm. how they were kind of the reason that everything fell how it fell and it's it's just so unfortunate now tell me i mean obviously you were a fan of man of steel Mm -hmm. uh batman vs superman i mean batman vs superman was so divisive and and it's one of those films that you either find somebody who is a diehard fan of it or you find somebody who absolutely hates it i'm guessing Mm -hmm. you're a fan but how did you feel seeing the theatrical cut because that right there plays into the beginning of how Zach was pretty much left out of Justice League. He he did oh. all this for BVS. They told him to do something else and cut it, cut it, cut it. So, like, what was your what were your thoughts coming out of that that movie, seeing
4: it in the theater? Well, I remember the build up to it before it even was released. There was already an online campaign criticizing it, mm-hmm. um, and I remember wondering why. It seemed to be a lot of. There was, there was seems to be, seemed to be, sorry, there, uh, a big push to tell people this is going to be bad, and I put that down at the time to people not wanting it to succeed because they didn't want a competition to rival any of the Marvel films, which I thought was pretty bad because you can have both. Absolutely, you know, I, I, I like some of the Marvel films. I don't think they're as good films as the DC early DC films, but they're still they're still an still entertaining comic book film. So why can't you? You can like more than one thing. <laughs> but, and so I went up, so when I went and saw it, I think I saw it about 17 times in cinema. The first time I saw it, I thought it was really, really good. Uh-huh. It was, there was a few, I remember the first time when I left there thinking, because obviously the ending, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, but I thought, sorry, I thought, I thought ah, he's not dead. I know, I know he's not dead. And I remember thinking, I hope other people realise he's not dead. Because I remember people going. Oh, so, uh, you hear people when you're leaving uh, It's like some like people's wives going. So that's it. Superman's dead. <laughs> and the husbands would go, <laughs> like laugh, and you're like, I oh, thought he, he knows. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but um, but no, I um, no, I went this saw the second time, and that was it. I loved it even more because I know, I think I just got it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I liked it. I I didn't I didn't see. I couldn't. I. I was trying to work out why people didn't like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, for because. me, I I kind of had the opposite take on it to you. I the first time I saw it in theaters, I was I was disappointed mm. because it, it felt too convoluted. It felt like there was just too much in two and a half hours, and mm. I, I I came out very disappointed. I, I loved Ben Affleck as as Batman. I thought mm. his portrayal was fantastic. Uh, Gal yeah. Gadot. She is just intoxicating as Wonder Woman. And Henry Cavill just continued his spectacular performance as Superman. But there's just something that felt off to the movie, to me, when I first saw the movie. Prior to its release, they, they did announce that there would be an extended cut coming after the fact. And mm-hmm. I was looking forward to that because yeah. I, knew, I know Zack Snyder's work. I know that anytime he's allowed to do what he wants to do, it's going to be fantastic. You take a look at Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen, Three Hundred, Sucker Punch, all that stuff. Even the Sucker Punch extended cut is way better than the original. Yeah. So you you know how that worked with Zack Snyder, and I know I knew that. So I didn't watch it again until the Ultimate Edition came out because I just I was so disappointed in it. Mm. But when I started watching the Ultimate Edition, that's when it I, it finally got to me and it it finally hit me. I was like, this is an amazing amazing film. And yeah. I just love the way Zach is able to add the, the religious symbolism and the, mm-hmm. the poetic uh, nature between man of steel and BVS. He's just a, such an amazing filmmaker. And it was BVS for me. Cause I, I admired what Zach did prior, but mm-hmm. it was BVS to me that really just set him above so many others when it comes to directors that I really admire and, and love to watch. And, uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it's become one of my top favorite films, Man of Steel and Batman oh, yeah, the Superman old magician just, is Superman. Yes, yeah, definitely
4: but the those it's two because films. there's more of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely, and and the, but the,
4: the thing scenes, is with that, it, and, as, it was that was an early warning sign, wasn't it, of what the studio were trying to do? Exactly. You know, yeah, they you know from their point of view, it's shorter to film, can be shown more times a day, more money, mm. rather than so it was more like. Quantity over quality for the box office.
0: Yeah. And and let's um, not, I mean, it
4: backfires. I mean, it still did really good, though, didn't it? Nearly 900 million.
0: Exactly. A Man of Steel did just under 700 million. You know, Batman vs. Superman did just under 900. Now, I think they were hoping, they were hoping that Batman vs. Superman would make a billion dollars, but I think it was just one of those things. It was kind of like, uh, I think
4: it would have done if there wasn't the prior, the prior, um, Criticism of it, because and, when it did come out, I remember, I remember saying to people, oh, you know, are you know, you going to see you going to see Batman and Superman this weekend?" No, I've heard it's crap. What? Not even out yet. Yeah, no. And people were tainted, and then it, there was the the obviously the people who weren't sure when it first came out, which kind of reinforced that. I mean, there was a Twitter campaign of bots. Uh, somebody's got a screenshot where it's the same tweet mm-hmm. posted about fifty times by fifty different accounts. Yeah, word word for word, saying how bad the film was. Yeah, you, you know, word of mouth word of mouth goes a long way.
0: You have to, yeah, you know, and then you have to sit back and wonder, like, who was behind that? You know, like, why, why was it something that had to be attacked prior to it coming out? Uh, Man of Steel, when it came out, it was received relatively well. You had those few people who were like, oh, he destroyed Metropolis. You know, that's not my Superman, or he was, you know, he was emo Superman and stuff like that. Like, people were upset about certain things, but to go out of their way and for somebody to start criticizing a film that isn't even out yet a film that yeah. you know the possibilities were endless and you know i, I when you have star power like that movie had mm-hmm. it should have done a billion dollars it really should have so yeah.
4: what what One do the you think reason reason? should have done it but i think it really was i think i mean it got close to not it got close to the billion without just thinking how about it, with all the criticism it got before and during it nearly got just under 900. Imagine what it would have got if people even, imagine what they would have got if they released the old mid edition, just the extra half an hour.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because
4: that would have got rid of half the critics. You know, someone like yourself would have liked it straight away.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, you you're not There's wrong. always people that were never going to like it.
4: Yeah. They didn't want it to succeed. Uh, um, I, I, and I think internally, in my, my opinion, the old Jeff Johns information you've talked about, there was internal issues to make it fail, to get rid of Zack, to take over and change the, change the, um, the theme. Yeah. That's more. Yeah. It was quite clearly back then. That was the beginning of everything. Yeah. It
0: was, it was shortly after Batman vs Superman, or was it, I think it was right before Batman vs Superman release, if I'm not mistaken. That's when they, created the DC films side of things yes. and he was put in charge of it. And yeah. I believe it was January prior to Batman for Superman releasing. Uh, they announced all these other movies, green Lantern core, the flash wonder woman, Aquaman cyborg, all that, all that was announced yeah. prior to Batman for Superman. And I, at the time understood what was going on. I knew that Zack Snyder was kind of creating his own little universe there. I didn't Mm -hmm. know what his ending was looking like. So I was okay with the idea of, oh, let's branch these characters out and build Mm -hmm. a universe similar to Marvel. And the problem that happened was all this hate came out saying they're rushing it. You know, the two films in and you're, you're introducing the three big characters instead of doing a film each like Marvel did. And that was kind of where Mm. a lot of the hate started, I think was with fans and and not fans, but people on social media saying, oh, you need to do it the Marvel way to be successful. When people Mm. don't fully realize and understand that that was never Zach's intention. I mean, Man of Steel wasn't even his movie. He was the director, but he didn't pitch that movie. You know, it was, that was Christopher Mm -hmm. Nolan who came and pitched that movie and he brought in Zack Snyder to do it. After that point, that it was all Zach. Zach was like, "Well, this is what I want to do. I want to make four more films, and make this arc, this you know, it, basically the the mm-hmm. rise, the fall, and the rise of Superman." And mm-hmm. no one really understood that. And and I, I, I to this day, I just wish Warner Brothers would have been more upfront with that because I think that would have changed the perception of what was going on a lot mm-hmm. a lot more because people wanted what Marvel was doing, but DC and Warner Brothers didn't want to do that. Because obviously if they wanted to, they wouldn't have given the keys to Zack Snyder to do what he was doing. And once they brought Jeff Johns in, that's when it was like, okay, Warner brothers is caving into the fans. So now they're going to start building out this big universe. And let's not forget that Jeff Johns was one of those ones who pitched an idea for man of steel or for Superman. And it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So obviously he was upset and, you know, it, it's hard to believe that somebody like him, because I always liked Jeff Johns. I, I loved Rebirth, and obviously, Rebirth happened after this. This all happened, but you know, I liked reading his comics. His take on Green Lantern is fantastic. So what? What? You know, why? Like, why did he feel he had to do that? I I don't understand that, and I you know, I wish I knew somebody who did, <laughs> because you know. It's- I mean,
4: I think I think I, from what I can tell, is that. He should have always stayed as a comic writer. He's got no, you know, filmmaking. He's, he, he, I think, he's a little bit out of his league. I think what it was. I think the, the studio was thinking dollar signs when it comes to Marvel, um, and obviously being a business and whatnot. That's obviously that's their goal. With Jeff Johns joining, had his thing knocked down. He had his own idea. Now the trouble is, is that of Zach's five arc story it wasn't supposed to be creating this universe it was, it was more of a, a basis to establish those two or three characters and then the additional films that you mentioned were going to be off offshoots from that that they could then do and continue as long as they want to do you know like a Marvel universe but they needed a foundation to start on mm-hmm. and that was what Zach's part was going to be now the, they, they didn't let the foundation finish so all those other films that they talked about have now fallen to the wayside, and there seems to be some kind of chaos involved. Um, and I think what it was, I think Jeff Johns, I think he got a bit a bit too power hungry in the sense that he wants his ideas better. and this is what I think it should be like, and this is what it should be. And he wanted to be the Kevin Feige of DC didn't he? And you look at I don't know if you know, but there's rumors, that certain elements of the five arc were leaked to Marvel, yes. Yeah, um, I was and actually um, gonna uh, ask conveniently timed Civil War suddenly was changed, it came out at the same time as BBS, mm-hmm. similar, um, yeah, and that's it's just ridiculous. I think there's a lot of underhandness going on at the time. Rather than saying, Do you know what? I mean, it, what you could have done is gone, Do you know, let's let. Let's support our team. Let's get these films done. Let's establish a base, and then it's my turn. Yeah, but they didn't. Yeah, somebody I mean, wanted it now. I mean, and the, that's sad.
0: That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and Zack Snyder put a lot of work into what he was doing, and mm-hmm. he is a hell of a storyteller. And I, I know without a doubt that if people would have seen the entire story play out. I think Mm -hmm. people would have sat back and said, hey, maybe I was a little harsh on Batman for Superman. I was a little harsh here because there was just so much that he wanted to to tell. And and it was such an intriguing story. And he pulled elements from different stories, you know, from within the comics and video games. And he was trying to bring it all together. And I thought it was fantastic. And he just, you know, he didn't get to do that. And even when he was willing to say, hey, you know, you guys wanted a little more lighthearted, I'm going to do that. Justice League is going to be not nearly as dark as Batman vs Superman was. So that that was kind of his his plan.
4: Mm. And, I mean, so he was... Would- so you got to think about it was all part of Superman's development. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was, you know, it's... If you look at the Christopher Reeve Superman, by the time he was 18 and he found the fortress, he stayed there for 12 years, and suddenly he was a fully-fledged, confident, clickman man and no one batted an eyelid Mm -hmm. whereas this one was probably more of a realistic take so you have to give him time to establish himself and find himself so i think that the main issue was patience yes that story absolutely he set up a lot he had it already um but it would have been a big payoff to a lot of things
0: but take a look at i mean what Marvel did, you know, everything by this time, by when all this was coming out, we've already seen an Avengers movie, uh, two Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were leading up to Civil War, which was kind of the biggest uh, arc within the comics that they were touching on at the time in the film. So when it comes to people and that wanted to see these films, they wanted an immediate you know hey i want superman like superman is i want this like yeah. this is even batman took people back a little back a little bit because he was darker he was more grim he wasn't the you know, the Michael Keaton Batman or even Christian Bale, mm. who was very optimistic. He was more pessimistic and, you know, very like, mm-hmm. you know, look at this world, look at what it's done to me and to others. And, uh, you know, that, like people just didn't understand that there was a development going on similar to how with the Marvel movies you had Tony and, and Steve develop over the course of what were they each in a total of like seven movies, eight movies. Zach was doing the same thing over five movies, you know, so it would have worked if people would just have had patience. Now yeah. your, your thoughts on, you know, justice league started filming almost immediately after Batman versus Superman released. Actually, I think it was filming prior to its release. What were yeah. your thoughts whenever Snyder, because after it released, people were talking, Oh, we, it, you know, it was too dark. We have to make it darker. And Snyder came out and said, yeah, you know, it's going to be a little lighthearted and than you know more lighthearted than bvs was what were your thoughts on that do you think he was caving or do you
4: think that was no, truly it's in his, his plan, plan. Uh, i think it's all part of the de- it was all part of the development of the character mm-hmm. you know you know the first film was man of steel because he was a man it was about clark wasn't it the first film yes the man but he's made of steel and then by the by batman the superman he had to you know he made that decision to be superman but he wasn't sure if it was the right thing so it was a confidence thing still not quite sure how to be and then I think with the sacrifice that ultimately he would then realise that yeah, I'm, 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 I'm assuming it would have been more of that when he's back to life and back to you know, back to normal for whatever, whatever issues he would have had coming back to life
0: mm-hmm. that
4: he would have been at the point of experienced enough now to go Confident in himself of his role, yeah, and would have become the superman everyone assumes and expects there to be. But you know, like everybody's life, you don't just become a person, you, you, your experiences develop you, don't they? So, I think it would have been natural, it was a natural progression to, to, yeah, to, to, a natural progression. And I even think the costume, slight shade change each time. Was, was supposed to be symbolic of his aura, mm-hmm. of how, we, how he is. You know, it was a bit darker in BVS, wasn't it? Because he was a bit unsure. Yeah, I'd, I think it would have gone brighter. I mean, there's you can have scenes with humour and having a laugh and make it a bit lighter. Is If it's done naturally, it can still be serious story with some humour. Mm-hmm. little humour breaks. But sometimes, particularly Marvel, it's very forced. It's like... You don't need as much humour that often. And it becomes I think if you force humour a bit too much, it can ruin the story, it can ruin the moment. So I think yeah, I don't think he caved to the point of that. I think it was always his intention to to develop the character, which would automatically make him a more happy, smiley, mm-hmm. saving a kitten moment type person.
3: And that was pretty crazy with Will Roland there. Wouldn't you agree, guys?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. (laughs) Actually, it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. I've I've actually heard the whole two-hour interview at this point. Uh, This is only a snippet of it. You'll hear the whole thing over on the Bridge and the Geekdoms channel. Uh, But uh, it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun talking with him.
0: Yes. (laughs) We we did. We had a a lot of fun (laughs) talking to him. I I mean, if you hear the podcast, Colton is kind of in the background a little bit. He hasn't really in researched or looked into the the movement as much as i have so the the podcast and interview is mostly just me and will talking but yeah. it is it was an amazing podcast to be a part it was something that was a little i am gonna say it's a little surreal i mean that's i i've i've interviewed one other uh person within the industry <laughs> a few weeks back <laughs> and But I kind of was the Colton rule. I kind of sat back and was just like, hey, I'll chime in a little bit here and there. This one I kind of took charge. Yeah. And while well, he's not a huge actor, uh, he's he's still an actor. He's still somebody within the industry. And it was just kind of a little, it was a little surreal for me, you know, to, to sit there and talk yeah. to somebody like that, which is kind of cool. I'm looking forward to doing more things like that in the future.
3: Same. I, it's, I'm not a very social person, which podcasting is literally the worst thing for me. But um, doing the interviews, I've really... Hey, like, make kinda, sure you listen to Polygon Warriors I, I enjoy with Colton Payne. Them. Yeah, I, I talk on that one, too. But yeah, uh, doing the interviews, I like I I actually enjoy talking to some of these people. And there's a couple... I don't remember... I think it's on Shooting the Sith that we did the uh, Outer Impraxium. Is that on Shooting mm. the Sith? Yes. But yeah, I, 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 I talked a lot during that one. I enjoyed talking to them a lot.
2: I'm the same. I'm the same way they're called to men. I'm not a very outgoing person. I'm not very social in real life, but I'll talk. As anybody who knows or talked to me before, I will talk up a storm on a podcast. I've, at this point, I think I've been on about 500 different podcasts in the last 10 years. So, I, I you know, I, I definitely will talk on podcasts. But in person, I don't really want to talk to anybody too much.
3: <laughs> same. It's very relatable.
0: I can talk anybody's ear off. I can. I'm a good bullshitter too. So I can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can just turn anything into. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking
3: about, but really have no idea. I'm just a walking meme. I just say goof. That's funny. Yeah. uh,
1: Johnny and I, when we first started, it was very much uh, very equal on on the talking time. Right? I think that's fair to say. Right, Johnny? And Yeah, it
2: was just you and me. It was you and me talking back and forth. Yeah. But
1: when we started doing, when we did our first interview, uh, for whatever reason, Johnny just, you know, it's not his cup of tea. He likes doing them. But he doesn't like doing them. Does that you know? Does that make sense? And I'm a chatterbox, so I'll I'll talk with anybody about anything, and yeah, I'm, I'm no problems with that. So as we started getting more and more interviews, it just started shifting more and more in that direction. And Johnny's kind of done, as all as you both know. Uh, if we didn't have Johnny working behind the scenes, we wouldn't have the spoiler verse. We wouldn't have the website. We wouldn't have. All of the thi- all the features that everybody enjoys to have, we wouldn't have our merchant, our, our, our merchandise with T Public and all the and all the graphics. So uh, you know, just because he may not talk as much, and he does a lot actually, he does do interviews and do everything else. Uh, uh, his role is is more important than mine. Really, you can find any talking monkey. So uh, lucky <laughs> to have him doing what he's doing, and I'm just happy that you guys came on board because we're excited about that show and excited about Bridging the Kingdoms to see where you guys go from here.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm excited to, to be back with it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, as Colton mentioned a little bit ago, we have another podcast. Well, I have another podcast, Shoot and Sit, that Colton has basically been on every single episode for the past like two months now. But yeah. <laughs> he kind of started it with me. So I, I have no problem with having him there. And, and I also find it a lot easier to have somebody there to, to talk with as opposed to just talking by myself. So I love I love having him on the show, and I, I, I heck, if it turns into just me and him all the time, then it's me and him all the time. Whatever, we'll just talk Star Wars. He loves it as much as I do, if not more. But, you know, it, it's one of those things, while I love shooting the Sith and what it brings, it's so one-sided, you know, or one-sided. It, it, you're only talking about Star Wars, essentially. Whereas, Bridging the Geekdoms, we can do so much more, because it's it's about all entertainment, essentially. Like I said, we're not going to get away from what we did before, but we're going to expand it and do more, and hopefully get more people involved and more people interested into the podcast, because that's kind of what you have to do. You have to kind of expand it and, and make it so it's something different that nobody's ever really heard before that they're going to go to. That's kind of the idea behind it now.
2: Nice, nice. I, I'm. As, I just want to reiterate what Kenning said. I'm glad you guys are part of it, and we, we, co- I got, we somehow coerced you guys into joining the Spoilerverse and became one of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one it's, of
1: it's us. Yeah. one of us. Yep. one of us. one of us. But yeah, it's it's a real honor to have you guys on board. Uh, I'm excited. So, man, I hope everybody enjoyed that. If you did enjoy that, go to Spoilerverse.com. There is a plethora of new podcasts along with Bridging the Geekdoms. Uh, We are spotlighting as we go along for the next few weeks, the next few months of new podcasts that have joined the team and that you can go out and enjoy. Nothing's behind a paywall. Meaning that all of our episodes, nope. all of our shows, and all of our articles is 100% free for you at SpoilerVerse.com. It's is an amazing time to go and get all the fun stuff that we have going on. Robert does a ton of articles on Star Wars. Colton does a ton of articles on Marvel, DC, Image, and video games. It's The guy's a cornucopia of information right now. And he has his own podcast called yeah. Polygon Warriors, which is all about video games Yep. so if any of that interests you i implore you to get over to spoilerverse.com check out what we have to offer now all of our podcasts are available on your podcatcher so if you go to spoilerverse you find something you really like like misery point radio or nerd talkalypse or bridging the geekdom or polygon warriors or our very own spoiler country and you like what you hear get out your smartphone go to your podcatcher type in the name of that show it's gonna pop right up hit subscribe Okay? Johnny, what else can they do?
2: Well, if you really want to support us, as as Kendrick said, nothing's behind a paywall. However, if you want to help us to keep the lights on, keep things going, you can go to spoilerverse.com. You can click on that store link right in the middle of that top bar there, which takes you right to our T-Public store, where you can get a Bridge and the Geekdoms t-shirt, or a Polygon Warriors t-shirt, or a Spoiler cruncher t-shirt, or a Misery Report Radio t-shirt, sure or a Spoiler First t-shirt, or get a, or get a, a hoodie, or a, a mug, or a giant tab or whatever. And a little portion of that that you buy not only do you look fly yourself because you're wearing something cool but a little bit of that money goes to us to help us pay the bills here
1: that's right it keeps the lights on it keeps the the website hosting and all that fun stuff going so we really appreciate everything on top of that the last thing that we're gonna ask you to do is if you enjoy what you're hearing go on to your the websites like iTunes or Google Play or wherever you happen to listen to your podcast And give that podcast a review and share it out. It helps us tremendously. One, it tells us if we're doing something right or if we're doing something wrong. And two, it just gets our name out there. It really does help. All right, guys, I think that's a show. I think with that,
2: that's a show. That's a show. Yep, yep, yep.
1: That is a show. And we have a little thing going on. You heard it at the beginning. I'm going to reiterate. Every show you hear... Johnny and I say in an oceans of podcasts
2: we are Cthulhu
1: and as Cthulhu compels you to do open the mind and read more but we want to know what Cthulhu compels you to do and as people start rolling in on Twitter or Facebook you can get a hold of us tell us what Cthulhu compels you to do and we will change that script to say as Cthulhu compels you to do what's your idea that's what we'll put and it was gonna be a lot of fun. We hope to get a bunch of them and change them up all the time. So, so I think for today
2: we should we should we should figure out what compels Colton and Robert and have them yeah, do. What it.
1: does compel you guys to do? To listen to our podcast? Uh, throw bread at orphans. Alright. So we're gonna say <laughs> the <laughs> <you> th- go. <laughs> we're gonna say the thing. And then when I when I say as Cthulhu compels you to do, you guys either one after the other or one of you say something. You ready? You go, Colton. It's all you. Oh, Jesus. All right. And it oceans the ocean's of podcast. We are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu
3: compels you to do. Uh. <laughs> you, th- you throw bread at orphans. <laughs> ah, beautiful. <laughs>
1: oh. Hey, we're just gonna end it on. Uh. and call it good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.